Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. The question today is, is everything in the Bible true? To start off, or to ease our way into this heavy question, I have a little story to share with you first in the spirit of our conversation about truth this morning. The story is entitled, The Story of Truth and a Story About Truth, published by Donna Brighton. It goes like this. Truth walked into a village. The local inhabitants started cursing at him, spewing epithets. They chased him out of the village. Truth walked along the road to the next town. They spit at him and cursed and spewed epithets, driving him out of town. He walked lonely and sad down the empty road, until he reached the next town, still hoping to find someone who was happy to see him, who would embrace truth with open arms. So he walked into the third town, this time in the middle of the night, hoping that dawn would find the townsfolk happy to see truth with dawn's light. But as soon as the townsfolk's eyes lit upon him, they ran to their homes and they came back throwing garbage at him. Truth ran off out of town, into the woods, and after crying and cleaning off the garbage, returned to the edge of the woods. When he heard laughter and gaiety, singing in applause, he saw the townsfolk applauding as story entered the town. They brought out fresh meats and soups and pies and pastries and offered them all to story, who smiled and lavished in their love and appreciation. Come twilight, truth was sulking and sobbing at the edge of the woods. The townsfolk disdainfully ignored him, but story came out to see what the story was. Truth told story how all the townsfolk mistreated him, how sad and lonely he was, how much he wanted to be accepted and appreciated. Story replied, of course they all rejected you, story, or truth. Story looked at truth, eyes a bit lowered to the side. No one wants to look at the naked truth. So Story gave Truth brilliant, beautiful clothing to wear, and they walked into the town together. Truth was Story, and the townspeople greeted them with warmth and love and appreciation. For Truth wrapped in Story's clothing is a beautiful thing and easy to behold. And ever since then, Truth travels with Story, and they are always accepted and loved. And that's the way it was, and the way it is, and the way it will always be. <laughs> Indeed, there is always a story with truth that we crave for as humans. There's a lot at stake in our question today, is everything in the Bible true? As Christians, the Bible is our primary source of information about who Jesus is and what guides our faith in him. If it were not true, we are in trouble. For us, it just makes sense to say the Bible is true. We trust it to be true because we recognize it to be God's word. And Jesus tells us that God's word is truth. But what is it that we mean exactly when we call the Bible true? To ask a broader question, what do we mean when we say anything is true? Are all truths equal? Do we mean truth as it is attested to by witnesses, as in things proven in a court of law? Do we mean scientific or archaeological evidence is available to prove something? 
Are we asking if something is historically true? Or are we looking to find out whether something is true or false? The Bible gives us truth in these categories. And there are many non-biblical sources that collaborate the content and recorded events of the Bible. But what makes the Bible unique and unlike other truth sources is that the Bible is uniquely centered on the story of who God is and the faithfulness of God's actions and his purposes throughout all of history above all other purposes. Given its composition being comprised of 66 books written by approximately 40 authors, according to scholars, written in three continents, and over the span of 2,000 years approximately, the Bible is uniquely situated to exposit truth across the span of time like no other authoritative textual source can. Originally penned in Hebrew and Greek, the authors wrote it in multiple genres that include songs, wisdom, literature, historical narratives, prophecy, poetry, the ancient genre of apocalyptic that is quite different than any type of literary genre we have today. There are metaphors and there are parables that are not to be taken literally, but as literary devices convey truth in a way of the deeper truths of God that no other method could. These are books in the Bible that reflect on the human condition, or there are books in the Bible that reflect on the human condition, but they are not philosophy, and they do not search for truth the same way. Some of the Bible's books give us historical accounts, but they are not history books, and we don't find truths in the same way we do in history books. And yet, despite the variety of styles we find in all these books of the Bible, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a clear and unifying overarching purpose present always throughout every page that puts God and his saving action at the center of the story. Unlike the ways we search for truth in science, where we seek to isolate causality or legal truths, where we arrange witnesses and arguments to prove innocence, or historical truths, where we arrange events according to the changing human perspectives, the truth we find in the Bible is different. As Karl Barth remarked, for when we study history and amuse ourselves with stories, we are always wanting to know, how did it all happen? How is it that that one event follows another? What are the natural causes of things? Why did people speak such words and live such lives? It is just at the most decisive points of its history that the Bible gives us no answer to our why. End quote. Instead of answering questions the way we are accustomed, the Bible, when revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, pulls us into God's story in a way that doesn't answer our human questions that we're used to being satisfied with. It takes us to a place where we simply follow without knowing where we're going, walking by faith. God invites us into a strange new place that we're not used to, where he is the center of the universe and not us, where he is the main actor, where when embraced by trust, he gives us hope and new life that transforms us in the lives that encounter him. It is a truth that we discover that brings us into community, reconciled to one another by the power of God's shalom, in contrast to a world that when left to its own self-absorbed priorities and answers, fragments itself and divides itself. The scripture we're looking at today comes from 2 Timothy. 
It is a passage out of the letter the Apostle Paul wrote to his co-worker in ministry, Timothy, that offers a view of Scripture from Paul that speaks to the unique way we encounter truth in the Bible that is set by God, not by humans, that is not just fact-finding for our self-centered interests, but is transformative, bringing us into a truth that is outside ourselves and in God. With that, I'd like to invite you all to open up your Bibles and follow along as I read from our scripture today found in 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The passage we looked at today is a letter Paul wrote to Timothy. And as you can see, it carries a set of instructions and encouragement Paul is giving his companion. It's meant to encourage him in light of the challenges and injustices they have experienced in the Roman imperial world which they live in, including persecutions and imprisonment experienced by Paul. Paul is saying there is still a way to hope, despite all the signs that would seem to indicate all hope for a future is collapsing. The faith Paul describes that he and Timothy live out is not merely an assenting belief in who God is. It is not just an assenting belief in the truth of who God is, but it is suggesting that there is a way to live out of who God is, a God who is with him, who has led him up to this point, and a God who is faithful and will complete his work in and through Timothy. It is the God that we find in Scripture. Paul's instructions come as a contrast to the laundry list he gives right before our passage, describing the ways of the world or the way people live not following God, where he describes how evil has corrupted the world, making people lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, Paul is reminding Timothy that their way of life following God rejects the ways of the world. And if you were with us here a couple weeks ago during uh, Pastor Chris's sermon when he talks about the works of the flesh, doesn't this sound so similar this way of life. I don't know about you, but this world Paul describes with all this self-centered behavior sounds a little familiar to me. 
a world that consumes itself, a place where there is no center for truth anymore, where there is a truth decay, a lack of trust in others, where it is everyone for themselves. We don't have to stretch our imaginations too far today, I don't think, to identify with things like that going on in the world. We can simply turn on our televisions, and I would be willing to bet we would have no trouble catching a news chiron right now alerting us to some kind of brutal crime somewhere. We don't have to search so social media too long to find conceited behavior, abusive comments, or slanderous things said about someone. It's not hard for us to find unforgiveness in our world as we continue to watch proponents of cancel culture set their targets on all who disagree with them with a seek and destroy mentality. And in our world where pride seems to rule, it seems as though everything now is framed as a political battle where the only objective these days is always to rub out those who don't agree with us, living under a false illusion that power through silencing those with different beliefs will solve everything. It would not be appropriate to say Paul and Timothy's problems are comparable or relatable to the ones you and I deal with, although there were many who did use their power to try to silence Paul. But regardless of how different or similar our problems might be to Paul's, I do know that the truth that carried him through his trouble is the same truth that is available to us in God's word and will equip us for every good work. That the same Holy Spirit is with us in revealing the truth of God's word when we seek his word. A spirit that is calling out to us now in the chaos of our world, telling us to resist these quarrelsome ways we see, that there is another way, that God's shalom is within reach, that the kingdom of God is near. Paul highlights his conduct, his aim in life, his faith, his patience, his love, and his steadfastness through the trials he faced. This was living life out of the Spirit and relearning what Scripture meant in light of Christ. He wasn't a perfect guy. He made mistakes. Let us not forget he was the persecutor at once of Christ's people early on. But God, who is faithful, called him out of darkness, and Paul repented. He turned away from his ways of the past and accepted his new role as Christ's messenger to the Gentiles to tell the story to those who at once seemed to Paul were out of God's reach. Paul had the Old Testament before he encountered Christ, but it was through faith in Christ and what the Holy Spirit revealed in God's word to him that Paul was transformed and equipped for every good work. Paul found Jesus Christ in the Old Testament as the faithful one, the reliable one, the God who steps into the world in flesh to rescue us, the same God who led Abraham by faith, who led Moses out of Egypt, who rescued David. This is the overarching truth in Scripture, that God's salvation is real and imminent, and that he is calling you and I to be part of that story. Scripture is not like an answer bank to memorize, where just saying the right thing or believing the right proofs will set you right. It is a truth that has to be lived for those who belong to Christ. That all scripture is God-breathed that is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness is not something Paul just said. It is something he experienced and that molded him, that would change how he lived. 
Paul had scoured the scriptures his whole life and was zealous for the law before he discovered God's plan was grace. By finding that he could not just read scripture and apply it without God's spirit, that there was no way to living out God's law without God's spirit, that it was impossible for him to live for God without truly abiding in God's word and living out of God's spirit. In the same way, in our world today, it is impossible for us to be any different than the ways of the world if we don't live out of God's spirit and if we don't search for the story of God that is in his word. The rejection of truth from the story we read today and its similarity to Christ's rejection coming into the world is kind of ironic. It's not that Jesus didn't come with a story. It is just that his story was unrecognizable to those who you would have thought would have recognized him before anyone else, his own people. And remember, Paul was one of them who rejected him. Even though God has given them his story, his chosen people could not recognize him in his own story. They had gotten used to writing their own stories for so long that they lost sight of what God's story looked like. They not only rewrote their life apart from God, but they also didn't recognize him when he came into the world. The truth is, it's not just then, it's now too. When we are not in step with the Holy Spirit and in the word, we have no reference for the kind of righteousness God wants for us. When we make no room for God in our lives, we are the ones rejecting God, not the other way around. The good news is, Jesus doesn't leave us when we don't recognize him and betray him. He doesn't give up on us even after we've betrayed him over and over. Instead, he reclaims his story by going to the cross to do something we could not do to bear our sins for us. He puts truth in a place where we cannot miss it or ignore it. <clears throat> he shows us that even through suffering we inflict on him, he still loves us. He shows us that even death itself is not the end for the author of life and his love for those he calls into his eternal story. Beloved, God's word is his story, and it is a promise that he is with us always and that he is faithful. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can receive his word with understanding, so that we can be transformed by his word and walk in his ways if we're not looking for God's story, if we're not responding to the one who calls us into his grace, if we're not following him through faith, it's not God's word that is not true. It is that we are choosing a different story for ourselves and separating ourselves from God's story. God's word is always true. It's one that we can trust. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.